Awesome. All right, so here we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, we're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and more pod- <laughs> more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where we have several different tiers. So $1 a month, you get... Uh, about 150 plus uh, exclusive B-roll episodes of us just kind of BSing and uh, riffing and everything. And then at the $2 level, you get that that plus TV and book reviews and reaction episodes. I'm currently doing episode reviews of Chapelweight and um, uh, uh, Apple TV Plus's um, <laughs> foundation. And then I just finished doing Midnight Mass. And uh, there's a bunch of stuff there. It's a lot of fun. And then also at the $5 level, you get that plus movie commentary tracks and immediate reviews. And then $10 gets you all that plus early access. Okay. <laughs> Again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt. And with me today, making her first appearance on the obsessive viewer is the host of one of my personal favorite Stephen King podcasts. Uh, and that list includes Tower Junkies, the one that I host. <laughs> it's <laughs> the year of underrated Stephen King. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at underratedskpod. Please, please welcome to the obsessive viewer, the delightful Kim C. Hi, Kim. Hi, Matt. Oh, my gosh. Hi. I'm like all smiley. So kind. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for that lovely nice. intro. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. And it's funny because I just when I said that, I just realized that this is the third time that I've said like, oh, hi, Kim. How's it going? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Never, never sick of that. Yep. <laughs> so how are you doing in the like uh, in the last 20 minutes since the last time I asked you how you were doing? <laughs> I am doing amazing. Nice. I'm all warmed up. I feel like maybe my jokes might land a little better. Nice. I, <laughs> um, it's October. It's, yes. It's spooky month. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's rad. Nice. Well, welcome to the show. And yes, it is. It is the spooky month. Um, we at the Obsessive Viewer affectionately and not very cleverly <laughs> refer to it as Shocktober. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, so yeah, so we are in the midst of Shocktober, and as such, we're going to be reviewing Midnight Mass on Netflix from the just amazing Mike Flanagan. <laughs> oh my god, just yes, amazing. I amazing. really can't wait to dive into this with you, but first, I do want to give you the, I'm, I want to yield the floor to you to talk about the year of underrated Stephen King, and uh, you know, just um, like you. So, um, yeah, how's it going? You host a podcast. <laughs> 
Oh, thank you, kind sir. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Uh, I'm the host, the solo hostess with the mostest of yes. the year of underrated Stephen King. And we've been around for about a year now. Uh, we're almost to 80 episodes, which is nice. quite cool. And uh, by day, I am a university fiction teacher. I teach beginning, intermediate, and advanced fiction. And I've been in love with Stephen King since I finished graduate school. And I really wanted to start a show where I look <laughs> at King from a more academic lens, just because I think there's a lot of, there are so many amazing King podcasts out there, but I was just craving a little bit more school with my, <laughs> with my <laughs> King reads. And so I just wanted to have a, a little bit of analysis in there. So I started making my way through the underrated works and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, came came up with this show and I've met so many amazing people like uh, Matt, host of Tower Junkies and Obsessive oh, Viewer and lots of amazing, lovely people in mm -hmm. this community. Um, but yeah, so when I'm not uh, working on fiction and students and grading and emails, I'm mm -hmm. looking at King. <laughs> I'm rereading King. I'm talking about him. I am examining short stories and i'm just oh my gosh i'm going i'm obsessed i can't stop that is so awesome and i feel like that is why i think i feel like that's one of the reasons why as podcasters we're clicking so well because that is i mean the passion that you have for not only for king's work but for discussing king's work is like it is it is just infectious um <laughs> it is such a delight to listen to your show and uh it's just it's it's so much fun and it kind of honestly it challenges me to be more analytical with with king's work and everything and the stuff that i do so i greatly appreciate um you know the influence that you have over over your audience Oh, I'm so glad. That's so kind. Because, yeah, I often feel like I'm just pushing a boulder up a hill sometimes. Because, as you know, when you're a solo podcaster, yes. it's a little like, you know, putting in your heart and soul and speaking into the void. Yep. And um, <laughs> but so it's really nice to hear that because, you know, you second guess yourself all the time and you're like, oh. I don't know anything. Oh, um, 100%. 100%. So yeah. that is that's so nice. It's mm -hmm. it's very nice to hear that. Um, these thoughts of mine in my brain as I'm going to sleep about a certain novel and then mm -hmm. I, you know, give it to the world. It's like, okay, thank goodness this is landing somewhere and <laughs> I'm not, I'm not crazy. Yep. Um, I mean, we all are. Nobody's normal. Oh, but. oh absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I was actually thinking about this the other day where I was like, what is it about King? You know, like I always do that every now and again. Oh, and yeah. I was like, the reason why I was, I mean, this is one of the many sort of anecdotes, but it's like, I just feel as if he is the best restaurant in town and he serves the most delicious food. And everyone's yes. like, yeah, but, but don't, don't you want to try other things? And it's like, mm -hmm. um, no. <laughs> uh, and, and then they're like, well, why not? And I was like, because it's different with it's different every time and it's mm -hmm. delicious every time and it's unique every time and there's magic and it's yeah. made with with love and with 
genius. Yes. Uh, and I just feel like he's my favorite restaurant and I cannot go anywhere else, at least for the foreseeable future, at least while we are in this podcast journey, um, at least until I can read all of his works. That's my main goal for sure is to nice. read the underrated ones, especially. But yeah, yeah. he's he's the best restaurant, Matt. Nice. I wholeheartedly agree. And yeah, like I think he does. He does filet mignon just as great as he does a greasy burger. Um, exactly. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's very versatile. Super. Um, yeah. And and also, yeah, congratulations on the podcast also. And I think I've said this before and everything to you, but just it's it's great. I mean, I know I said that like five minutes ago, but um, <laughs> but it's a great show and everything. And also just me like me being a podcaster for for so long like i know i know the struggle of every like ev- yes. everything but something that i've i've found or like this interesting i don't have like a citation for this but something interesting like a piece of data that i that i found out that was kind of interesting is that the majority of podcasts like cuz i mean obviously we're at a time where like everyone is starting podcasts and everything and they have been mm-hmm. for years but on average, again, citation needed, but on average, the average podcast lasts seven episodes and then wow. fades away and is done. <laughs> so the fact that you're up to 80 is just fantastic. And uh, and I'm super thrilled, uh, thrilled for you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That's an amazing stat. I hadn't heard that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard that on a couple of like YouTube videos. So we know how like, you know, um, we obviously know how uh, how accurate those are. But um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I, I every time I, I get in a low place, which we you, you know, those low places sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm always like, I can't, I just got to quit. I can't do it. And then mm-hmm. I, I think to myself of why I started in the first place. And that was um, before my first episode, I kind of had a moment with myself and it says, I would make this show if nobody listened to it, mm-hmm. because that's how much King's work means to me. I would nice. do this without a single listener. The listeners help. They are tremendous. And people like yourself are just logs on my little campfire. (laughs) Um, It's amazing. But yeah, I would do it even if no one listened because it's it's so special. Um, And yeah, so uh, this is this is like the little diamond in my pocket um, that I'll save for a rainy day. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So and, thank you so much for oh, being a listener and absolutely. a fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And on that note about podcast episodes and everything, I do want to just mention that I was a guest on episode 69 of your podcast and you were a guest on episode 69 of Tower Junkies. And so my inviting you on to Obsessive Viewer, this is episode 354. So I am I'm going to put you on the spot, but I am going to say that if I'm not the guest on episode 354 of the year of underrated (laughs) Stephen King, we riot. <laughs> we'll do good, sir. Yes. We'll do. I'll make sure we'll we'll get there. I hope we have a planet, Matt. You, I oh, mean, I you know. never know. <laughs> oh, believe me. I we might be Same recording here. from a, a space station outpost somewhere. <laughs> I would actually really be game for that. <laughs> right? I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. to oh, leave yeah. this little blue marble blesser. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
so just to recap before we get into the actual the 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 meat of the episode, just to just to recap, you can find Kim's podcast at underrated SK Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And uh I highly, highly recommend it. Not just the episode I was on, but every other episode. <laughs> and uh, and right now you're working your way through the Green Mile. How is that going? I'm, I say that with the caveat that I have not started listening to them yet because I haven't started listening to the book yet, but I plan to do that very soon. Uh, how's that going for you? Oh, let me just expel this huge sigh because that's how it's going. <laughs> um, it's, oh my God, uh, Matt, this book. I had heard from people <laughs> that it's a powerhouse, that it's like an absolute like monolith mm-hmm. in in terms of, of king majesty. And they are correct. Um, this thing, it's, it's a difficult book. The subject matter is bleak and grim and sad, but yet there is so much richness and so much beauty that it's been the best experiment ever to digest it in the six parts to kind of allow my heart to gel with what he did and what he composed and how he arranged it. Um, I am loving it. I am loving it. Um, But it's also taxing on the emotions. There's a lot. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's taxing on the emotions, but I'm doing it week by week. And so it allows Mm -hmm. me to kind of unpack leave my thoughts there and then spend some time with the text to get, get ready for the next week. It's been the coolest thing. And I'm just in awe that this was a novel composed in six parts. So it's just the coolest thing. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, oh, it yeah. is going It is going very well. It is going nice. very, very well. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Very nice. And, uh, and yeah, I am planning... Uh, very soon, um, I'd mentioned to you that, uh, on Twitter, cause you mentioned, you mentioned revisiting, um, oh God, uh, storm of the century. And, uh, <gasps> oh yeah, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't started yet. I, my plan is to watch that soon. Uh, but I have like a little bit of a stacked, I mean, like I, like, you're a busy man. You're a I, busy man. I am like right now there is Heartland Film Festival here in Indianapolis going on. And like, I have tickets to a screening tomorrow night. Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. <laughs> and then Monday I have a press screening for for a movie as well. So like like this is like the one night that I have where I'm at home and everything. Oh my gosh, bless your soul, <laughs> sir. Your dance card is full. It your really dance card is, is full. Yeah. But during the day on the weekend, I should be able to squeeze in Storm of the Century. Um, and I'm oh very God. excited for that. And uh, I, yeah. Yeah. We'll need to exchange thoughts because it is my favorite oh, yeah. Stephen King. Series. Oh, yeah. Like it hasn't been matched. It is. It has not been matched. It's so good. That's so awesome. And it's funny because I, I I said this on Twitter, but it's funny. Shameless plug for Tower Junkies. We just t- today I just posted the um, the uh, Mine and Tiny's top 19 favorite Stephen King adaptations episode. And uh, yeah, so we have that up and and out there. So I'm looking forward to having to tweak my list, assuming that I like Storm of the Century, which I have no doubts that I will. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for you to watch it yeah. and tell me about it because <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Yeah. I It's a love with a very big L, all caps. Nice. Love it. I'm I'm particularly excited because Tim Daly's in it. And yes, yes. Yeah, I I like I am just such a huge fan of Wings from the 90s. Oh yeah. 
yeah. That was a fun show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I have very fond memories of me and my family, like, just watching that uh, and, and watching reruns on, like, USA during the day when I would stay home sick from school. And it's just, it is, it is like my comfort sitcom. And, uh, and yeah, and I love that both Tim Daly and Stephen Weber have connections to Stephen King. <laughs> so Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really excited for you to watch it. Like, yeah. I'm so excited. It's, it's slightly obnoxious. I, I feel <laughs> like if, if there, if we were live and in person, I'd be mm-hmm. jumping up and down and <laughs> saying like, did you watch it yet, Matt? Did you watch it? What part are you at? What night are you at? Where are you at? That's, that's my level of enthusiasm for anybody who approaches storm of the century. Nice. Nice. Well, I will definitely report back. And it's funny because, uh, the thing that kind of, the thing that you, that, that you said on Twitter was that it is, um, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it seems, uh, you said that it's like a good palate cleanser or a good continue, not continuation, but a palate cleanser after midnight mass. And <laughs> Yes. yes. So like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Just because of what I know about Storm of the Century. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you're gonna, yeah, yeah, you're gonna feel it. Nice. You're gonna really sense um, that Flanagan mm-hmm. might have been a fan of Storm of the Century too, nice. because it's very evident when you watch them back to back. And I've talked with a couple King fans who have mm-hmm. also mentioned this. I mean, granted midnight mass in all of its glory has a ton yeah. of nods to King. Oh, thank yeah. God. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple people specifically cited storm of the century, which filled my heart with joy. So nice. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'm so, and pizza has made her entrance onto the desk. So if you hear Sweet noises, baby angel. Yeah, she's, she's, she's precious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a diva queen right there. She's like, oh, I don't yeah. care if my father's busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, Pay attention and, to me. Exactly. And then when I try to shoo her off, she gets very, very angry and pouty. <laughs> 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 yeah. And she just like, it's, there we go. Okay. And it's funny because I, I specifically laid out like her favorite blanket on like the little stand that I have next to me so that she can lay down on it. But she does not do that because she is a rebel. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So let's segue into the main topic for this episode, which is Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. Ooh, clapping yes. and clapping. <laughs> oh, yes. So the way we structure the reviews here on Obsessive Viewer, of course, is we do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. Now, um, so so obviously it is very hard uh, to avoid spoilers for this. Um, so we're going to do our best to talk in kind of broad terms, and then we'll get into a spoiler discussion um, that I'll prompt to the listeners for. I'll play a little bit of the trailer and everything, and uh, we'll just have a good time with the conversation. So, uh, so for those who don't know, Midnight Mass premiered on Netflix on September 24th. Of course, it's part of the Netflix model, so it's all episodes all at once. There are uh, seven episodes. <laughs> And uh, uh, the plot summary is an isolated island community experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. Um, This show stars Kate Siegel, 
uh, Zach Guilford, Kristen Lehman, uh, Samantha Sloyan as Bev Keen, which she, her performance was incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Uh, Igby Rigney, Raul Kolai, uh, and a bunch of other people. I'm trying to find the one. Oh, oh uh, obviously, Hamish Linklater. Um, yeah. That star, that fox. So, so good. <laughs> so- oh, that bright burning blaze of a performance. Oh, yeah. So, uh, okay. So yeah, Midnight Mass is Mike Flanagan's like passion project. And he has alluded to it in some of his previous works, like in Gerald's Game, there's a book called Midnight Mass on the, on the like, uh, headboard, I think. And, uh, and in Hush, the character is writing the book Midnight Mass. Um, so it's just really, really cool, like, that he got to do his his thing. And for listeners who aren't a part of Patreon, um, <laughs> I went just full bore into episode-by-episode reviews um, where I got less and less coherent um, <laughs> as I went through. <laughs> so if you feel like uh, donating on Patreon, it's at the $2 level. Um, so, yeah. So, Kim, let's dive in to Midnight Mass. Um yeah, in broad terms, like what was your uh what were your expectations for it? And like when did you was it something that was like so on your radar before it came out, or was it something that's like you waited for the feedback to to jump into it? Oh, I love this question. So <laughs> I was not really wait so I would consider myself a member of the Flanafam. Uh, <laughs> I am a Flanagan <laughs> fanatic. However, I think I just got after Bly Manor. I mm-hmm. had heard I was like dancing in the streets when I heard he was going to do revival. Like oh, absolutely, yeah. going up to strangers on the street almost with how joyful I was. Yep. So. When that fell through, I kind of uh, was devastated and lost um, lost my way with paying attention to <laughs> his his schedule. So that's totally uh, understandable, though. Yeah, that yeah. pain. And so, oh my god, it, it hurt. It cut yeah. me deep. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> so then I it kind of snuck up on me, and then it was just out, and I was like, oh my god, it's Flanagan's thing. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing the trailer, and I was like, ah. Like, I I was just curious. I was like, and the thing is, is I think I was a little trepidatious because uh, it's it's very um, it's very Catholic. And this Mm -hmm. is not speaking ill by any means, but it's like religion is heavy and especially Catholicism is very heavy. (laughs) And so I was like, "Um, am I in the mood for like a really catholic thing yeah. <laughs> so um and it just just based on uh i think everybody's like emotionally exhausted yes. on the planet earth and there's just a lot when it comes to like all of politics and mm-hmm. and religion and just all the things we've been going through in this past year as yeah. a collective human body so i was trepidatious i was very nervous but then um I was like, uh, I, I don't care. It's Mike Flanagan and I'm going to watch the first episode. We're just going to test the water. We're just going to put my oar in the water and just nice. see how we do. And then I will judge if I need to shelve this for a little bit or if I could keep going. 
So nice. my expectations were I, I knew that Flanagan is a genius with drama and tight script writing. Oh, yeah. And so I was very excited for what his script was going to deliver and curious about what the dramatic arc was going to be. So mm-hmm. my expectations was more drama centered. And I, I knew based on how... Um, Hill House had wrecked me, like scared me to death for a good two weeks after I finished it. And then Bly Manor had me like sobbing. I I knew I was going to have an emotional response. I just didn't know what form it was going to take. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I entered Midnight Mass. Nice. That's awesome. And I still have not gone through Hill House or Bly Manor. (gasps) I know. I, okay. I I will I will turn in my membership card to the Flanafam. Um, <laughs> you can still catch up. You can still okay. catch up. But I'm very very excited for you to watch Hill House now yeah. because that shiz be <laughs> on another level. It's off the chain, is what nice. it is. It's so on another level. It's off the chain. Nice. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. And my goal is to watch. Both of those by the end of the month. That is that is my goal. So hopefully I can. But um, yeah, I I'm that is my goal because it's uh, watching awesome. Midnight Mass. Yeah, watching Midnight Mass. I was like, okay, yeah. Um, Mike Flanagan is m- one of my favorite filmmakers right now, and absolutely, I need to devour everything he's ever done. <laughs> so yes, yes, yeah. and I I love it when the trust in a filmmaker is that strong because oh yeah, I uh, Kim saying I hate slashers, Matt. I oh, like slashers. Slashers really violate my mental health boundaries. I ah. cannot accept them. I just mm-hmm. the that's what really scares me is like being hunted, like that kind of gotcha. thing. I can't I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Slashers I hate. And yet uh Flanagan did one called Hush and I watched it. Oh my it. god, Hush is so and good. <laughs> it it was very good. Did yeah. I hate the majority of it? Yes, because <laughs> I hate feeling like that in sla- mm-hmm. I hate the feeling that slashers give me. I don't like yeah. Get. Um, however, the premise was so genius. Like oh, she's yeah. hearing, she's hearing impaired. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, um, it's amazing, and I really appreciated it. I did enjoy it, um, even though I wanted to throw up after I watched it because <laughs> right. I, it's like my worst nightmare. Slashers yeah. get get to me. I can't handle them very well. Nice. Yeah i I have such an affinity for slashers. Like I. Uh, recently within the last couple of days, um, the trailer for the new Scream movie came out and like Scream, I like, I, I say this with no embellishment, no, like I'm not exaggerating in any capacity, but if it wasn't for the first Scream movie in 1996, like you and I would not be talking right now. Like my, my entire life would have been on a completely different trajectory. I would not probably would have, would not have fallen so far in love with movies and and media and everything. Wow. Probably, most likely, most definitely probably would not have started podcasting and everything. So. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. So in, (laughs) um, in other words, I may have had a more, you know, socially functional life. Um, but, <laughs> but 
but I didn't. So, and now I get I get the pleasure of chatting with you on a podcast. So fantastic! Yeah, yeah. It, it all works out as it should. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I'm excited for Scream anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, I yeah. saw that movie when I was way too young. Mm-hmm. I think that's another reason I have like psychological scars with slashers because um, I, yeah. I was at a slumber party with a bunch of girls uh. and way too young to be watching that and yep. yet there was no parental <laughs> supervision or involvement and yeah keep on the trauma <laughs> yep yep um, but yeah i'm yeah. sure i could appreciate scream i did watch the first for someone who hates slashers i've seen a lot of them Matt. Um, <laughs> sure. i think that's why i know i hate them because i've been mm-hmm. subjected to them over the years from various friends <laughs> I will say, though, the first Halloween is compelling and oh, great. Yes. Yes. I'm I, impressed. Yeah. Loved it. Oh, yeah. I, I just plugged for the Patreon, but I just um, uh, did commentary tracks at the $5 level for Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween 2018. And then I'm probably going to do one for Halloween Kills. Um, so I have, I have commentaries up there, but like when watching the first Halloween, which is, it, it is an icon. I, I absolutely oh, yeah. adore that movie. And like, as I'm watching it while like forcing myself to talk about it the entire time, I'm like recognizing like, this is just the perfect, the perfect example of tension in a film. And it is just, and like, I saw like all of these subtleties, like, I never really considered the way that the kids are always in the in the movie and like how I never really considered maybe it's because I'm now watching it when I'm like in my mid 30s. But like I like seeing like the kids being like near Michael Myers or in like seeing Michael Myers and stuff like that puts like such a deep fear in me like, oh, these these kids are in danger throughout this entire movie. And it's something that's like so subtle and not like gratuitous or anything. It's just something that's underlying the surface. And it's just, it's, uh, it's so perfect. Yeah. I would need, I definitely need to give it a rewatch. I don't mm. want to, right. but <laughs> um, I remember being impressed when I watched mm-hmm. it, like as I was, you know, peering through the sweatshirt that I wrap around my face, because that's how I have to watch sure. slashers is like, I have to have a protective poof around my face because oh, yeah. you have to keep out the sound. You have to have minimal vision. Yep. This is how you survive them. Uh, but I remember, uh, being very like okay halloween i see you look at this filming <laughs> look at this very simple yet profound camera angle yep. and this sparse and minimal thing going on uh yeah i was impressed oh yeah oh yeah so um <laughs> to get back to midnight mass um, I love the meandering trail. It's yes. the best. <laughs> like I should say, uh, once again, welcome to the obsessive viewer. This is our this is what we do. <laughs> I love it. This yeah. is great. I'm having a blast. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. Um yeah, whenever there's like a like there there's been like memes on on Twitter where it's like, oh, what's what's what name would you give or what word would you use to describe a group of something that you do or whatever? So like it would be like uh, procrastination of writers or something. And then like, for me, I would just be like a tangent of podcasters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Perfect. Perfect. Yes. So uh, going back to Mike Flanagan and the Flanifam, um, which I, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is – so we kind of t- talked about this a little bit. So you watched Bly Manor. You watched Hill House. Hush, uh, have you seen any of his other works like Oculus or uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, which I haven't seen? <sighs> haven't seen those um okay. oculus is one that's still on my list um nice. i've seen dr sleep oh which yes I Do- love love Duh. love <laughs> love dr sleep and then i so i have seen parts of gerald's game but gerald's mm-hmm. game i haven't read the novel yet oh. and i would like to because i don't think i can appreciate and or handle the difficult subject matter without like the text to support it uh, um, yeah yeah, Gerald's game's really heavy. It's really heavy and dark. Oh, and 100%. I just don't have the stones right now, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't have the emotional stones that it needs to just be resilient with yeah. Jesse's journey. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be... I'm just going to be wrecked and be sobbing and and be really, really um, wrung out from this subject matter. Ergo, um, I've seen parts of Gerald's game, but I would like to wait until I could fully take it all in. But I'm incredibly impressed. I mean, how they filmed this, like how they did it and the choices he made to make it work. I'm astonished. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of by default, I'm always the type of person who's like, yeah, read the book first, read the book first for anything, because like it is ninety nine point nine nine repeating percent of the time the book is going to be better than the movie or show like that's just a given. But (laughs) with Gerald's game, I think that I would I would very much recommend that everyone read the book first, even if you're not like a book reader or anything, but read the book first and then watch the movie because that is such an unfilmable story. And the fact that Flanagan did it is just I mean, he is he is just on another level. He is he's just so impressive. Um, Very much. Yeah. Yep. Um, So. Uh, we talked about, I'm just kind of looking at my list of questions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so eventually I'll make my way through all of his works, nice. but, uh, I've got some lingering little strays that I'll get around to. Nice. So should we expect a year of underrated Mike Flanagan podcast? Oh, you know, <laughs> um, maybe cause mm. I, I could talk a lot about this dude. Like nice. I, I really am, um, uh, very very zealous i am mm-hmm. like this this guy this guy is all the right moves man so oh, maybe absolutely. yeah yep. yeah i i am so on board if you do um so oh yeah, yeah. absolutely oh yeah that might have to be our moonlight project uh, our, our nice <laughs> well moonlight <laughs> right. flanagan flan 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 pod yes oh i love it i'm gonna register the url now do um, it yeah. do it <laughs> Um, okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty of Midnight Mass because there is you, you touched on it a little bit, the Catholicism aspect of it, the heaviness of religion and everything. And from my perspective, I am a product of Eastmissers. So <laughs> uh my parents were 
Catholic, I guess. Oh my guess. God, I just put that together. I oh, was like, East oh, Miss. Yeah. Yeah, Wait a minute, Miss is Missouri. that, is, I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking of all the like Eastern religions in my mind. Mm. I was like, is that Shinto? Oh, no. I'm like going down the list. And I was like, oh my God, Easter Christmas? That's yep. hilarious. Oh my God, man. Yeah, that killed yeah. me. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a legit, oh no, no. <laughs> like geographically rooted faith. <laughs> LOL. Well, it is here in America, I think. So yeah. it does exist. Oh, yeah. Cool. He's <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. But basically they like they were they were Catholic and basically would only go to church or do anything church related, like go like to Easter Mass or uh Christmas Mass. And that was also kind of sort of rare as we all got older and everything but um myself i'm just a a um i would say uh, <laughs> i don't know a, a practicing agnostic um so perfect yeah that's yeah. a lovely definition of yeah. practicing agnostic or you're just not practicing yes yeah. exactly i'm just it, it's not so i have like an interest maybe not interesting but i just have like this kind of relationship with organized religion where I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and I have like my own, like, I don't, I don't judge anyone for, for their religious faith or anything, obviously. Like, and like, if do whatever you want, as long as it's not hurting anyone, Hey, go, go nuts. But for me personally, I just don't find, uh, I don't say, find the same kind of religion. I don't find the same kind of, um, I don't know purpose with religion like personal like guidance with with religion but i 100 respect and in some cases probably envy a little bit people who are devout religious people and everything but having said that um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something that surprised me so much about midnight mass was the way that it depicted not only religion in, in general but the faith among the characters and yes. yeah and like it's something that, like, anytime I see religion depicted in in media, it's usually like, okay, this is this is the story about like someone who is completely like um, uh, just just incredibly like one dimensional with their yeah. religious faith and everything. But this was like one of the first things where I saw like the nuance of religious faith and it guiding people in their lives and having such a profound effect on their lives. And it's on such a spectrum uh, throughout all the characters. I, I just found that to be just so great. And, um, and I know that uh, from, from, from listening to your podcast, I know that you studied religious studies in yes, school. Yes. Yeah. So that I was very, is correct. Yeah. So I was very curious, like, how, how did you feel about the depiction of religion in the show? And like, how, like, how did, how did you kind of per, like, how did you experience it? <laughs> yes. Um, this is a great question. Uh, so yeah, I caught my minor in religious studies and I kind of nice. kick myself now because I really wish I would have double majored because oh, it is, it is the most fascinating field. If you are someone mm -hmm. who likes learning and who wants to learn things that will 1000% immediately impact your life in a, in a way where you feel more informed about the society you live in, it's an amazing um, field to study. If anybody's thinking about going back to school, highly nice. recommend. But um, so I, it really helped 
when I uh, was approaching this show because having a foundation in the core principles and doctrines of each of these faiths, you kind of understand why it's going down. And so I agree with you when you uh, mentioned how in film and television, we see a lot of the fundamentalist only side. Mm-hmm. And especially in horror movies, they're like very, very freakishly devout and frightening and um, they don't listen to reason and they're yeah. just completely um, choking on their own doctrine. And so yeah. I was really glad that um, really intelligent writers like Flanagan and people that they understand that they are going to be lifting up the rug on something and like really mm-hmm. exposing the dirty laundry because uh, all all faiths, uh, some more than others, uh, we got some trauma with a big T. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. that's because oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's because uh, some of these institutions, all of them have their problems. This is not singling anyone out, but right. some of them love power yes. a little more than the average bear. Oh yeah, and so yeah, yeah. Because of that, going into this, I was prepared to see some not so good things, Mm -hmm. but I was very glad that Flanagan also um, exposes the people on the sidelines that are are the majority of people, actually, like the kind Mm -hmm. of nut, nut jobs you see on TV. They really are not that common. Um, Yeah. You have the people who are really just average people who are trying to be good to their neighbor and Mm -hmm. who realize that everybody is flawed and trying their best. And But the thing about faith and what I like what Flanagan does is he understands that faith is the deepest part of someone's heart. It's what they will die for. People will die for their faith in a microsecond. And so you have to be very cautious with that sometimes. Um, And that could either sway to one way in a horrifying way or to Mm -hmm. the other way where there's a complete loss of faith, like the character of Riley Flynn. But, you know, so... um, This was a very long-winded thing, but (laughs) um, my background really allowed me to love and respect this show and be freaked out by it uh, on so many levels. Nice. Yeah, that is is so well said. And yeah, like just to reiterate, like I don't... It, it it's I don't have any ill will toward religion or anything, but I do recognize like, yeah, that some people and this really do, isn't just um, this isn't just religion or anything. This is really any kind of organization of any kind where people are involved. Oh, yeah, it's Absolutely. just the like the the pull of power and the kind of. um uh, ap- the, the, wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not appetizing, but the, the allure of like corruption yeah. and self gain oh, yeah. and personal gain absolutely is like evident. It's like part of being a human being in like, uh, in society basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's power and control. It's yeah. power and oh, control. Yeah. And oh, yeah. some, uh, some of these heavyweights with a lot of donor funding have, uh, yep. <laughs> have, have it in spades. Um, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, this, 
I think if you understand, um, especially with this fantastic series, Mm -hmm. if you are um, a practicing Catholic or you have, there's something about the ritual inside the Catholic orthodoxy where Mm -hmm. you just, these prayers are said 10,000 times in a lifetime, you know, more, 100,000 times these prayers, like people have memorized them in beyond their their consciousness like these Mm -hmm. these rituals these steps the bowing the um the hand gesture like this this is just it's incredible when you kind of know a little bit about it and then Mm -hmm. you see it observed and i think that's why it's such a terrifying thing because it's so close (laughs) to home it's so intimate and uh absolutely exposes it it's Mm -hmm. it's awesome it's so messed up and awesome (laughs) oh yeah absolutely like i i have not stepped foot in like a like i think in like 2012 a friend of mine got married in like a catholic church and like that was the last time i was like like in a church like during like a kind of catholic ceremony of of any kind and so like i like i said i i had some experience with that with that like in in my childhood and everything and i also um uh one of my friends was uh his father was like a a minister or preacher i i don't know at a at a um, I think a Baptist church. I'm not sure. But um, so I would like go to church with him um, when I was a kid. And like, so I, I have been like not involved with anything church related or anything of that, um, of that kind of um, not really methodology, but that, that kind of ceremony and everything. And there is something just so gripping about the way that midnight mass just captures that on film and i yeah like there are moments where hamish linklater who is just mind-blowingly good 10 out of 10 a thousand out of 10 just amazing it's like i'm watching him like i'm watching him do like a sermon or or deliver communion and everything and i'm just like i'm i'm just as enthralled in the stuff that he's saying as the people in the show are. And I'm like, this is, this is so powerful. This level of storytelling is just completely out of this world for me. (laughs) And it is, it is just such a, such a a high mark for the production of the show that it's, it's just so, I was just so immersed and wrapped up in it without having any, really any context for, which I think is really the high mark of really any art um, that's made. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that. Like, yeah, even the lay people as, as church folk call them, the laymen, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the lay folk. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, he's riveting and it's, it's powerful. And typically they're, they're not that jazzy. He actually did a really good job. Oh, they're yeah. uh, <laughs> a lot more somber in their delivery. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And another thing, so we will talk, I think, more in depth about the connections to kind of Stephen King, obviously, because because like what's so brilliant about the trailer for the show is it does not give away anything. And I definitely don't want to give away anything until we get into spoilers. Correct. <laughs> yes. So um, on that note, to dance around some things, I did notice, obviously, there is just a heavy Stephen King influence on this story. And one of the 
best things about Stephen King for me is his depiction of his his writing of small town life and community and how that can just be just uh just completely infiltrated or or influenced by like kind of the outsider of a of a community and everything. So my kind of question for you is how did you feel about the kind of com- depiction of this of small town life and community of Crockett Island, which is just a very like the opening scene after the after the cold open is Crockett Island, population 127. And from there, we're introduced to a small community. So how did you feel about the depiction of small town life in Midnight Mass? So this is such a cool question. So what's <laughs> interesting about Crockett Island is this is, I think, way different than a normal small town in King's mm-hmm. world because, Matt, think back, if you will, for a second. Did you ever see anyone driving a car? Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> right? Huh. Because I don't. Oh, I wow. Don't, I don't think I did. Ergo, for me, this place, Crockett Island, almost seems like a commune, not even um, a small town or a community because this place is like so small that I you can't even drive a car like there's no need um nobody drove a car there was some boats but yeah so it's <sighs> like I I really get the sense that like this is a unique small town where oh, yeah. um they are really up in each other's business like right. you can't even like kick a rock without five people <laughs> knowing about it because you guys are on top of each other given the fact wow. that everyone is walking um there's you know you're just you can't go anywhere you can't get off island and if you do you're going to be taking the same boats that everybody else like you can't yeah. even sneeze right. without someone else knowing about it and so that felt even more freakish um, in terms of like, this is beyond small town. This mm-hmm. is like a commune where it's a bunch of hippie folks or <laughs> like-minded souls mm-hmm. who um, just want to be a part of this strange little island body because, yeah, wow. this is unique AF. And so I think the fact that we don't really have normal community life demonstrated mm-hmm. really kind of said, okay, this is even deeper than any kind of small town. But I thought it was brilliant. I loved the close, creepy, everybody's just walking. Yeah. Nobody's driving. Yeah. My my jaw is like on the floor right now. <laughs> right? It's I'm, so huge. Yeah. And oh, so – and I don't know if this is anything, but it's it's interesting because like the only car that I can think of is in that opening scene, right? Where, oh my god, yeah. Which let's talk about that. We can we can spoil that. I think. Um, oh my god, that, the that introduction scene. to the whole show. Like I started it because I, I started watching it. Um, Usually, so usually I'm just completely anal retentive and I'll be like, okay, well, I need to watch Bly, uh, I need to watch Hill House. I need to watch Bly Manor and then I can watch Midnight Mass. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then like I saw on Twitter, like people were talking about Midnight Mass and I was just like, okay, I need to mute the words <laughs> Midnight Mass because <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled. And then 
And then I think I think you emailed me and and mentioned Midnight Mass, and I was like, okay, yeah, I've got to watch Midnight Mass. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. So I know. I was like, uh, so I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah. everything right now <laughs> <laughs> yep so i started it and then i mean talk about a hook for a show like right oh that my god opening scene it is so it is it is just brilliantly filmed it is it is brilliantly constructed it's yep the aftermath of a drunk driving accident and it's the introduction to riley who is the driver the the drunk driver of it. And then that is our introduction to that character. And then there's a time jump and then we get Crockett Island and it's like, Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm so, I'm so in. (laughs) Agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. And it's so interesting that, that, um, that, that depiction of like that, uh, not to say that there's really anything to like, I don't think that, I, or I don't know that the intention was to show like Crockett Island as uh, kind of like um, like a little bit backwards in terms of development or, or you know, um, modernization. But I think that there might be something to the – like both the characters of Riley and Aaron who Riley, you know, left the island and was involved in a horrible incident that he brings – back to the island in like he's haunted by and then Aaron there's that conversation where she's talking about how she she left uh she ran ran away from the island went to went to like the big city and everything and then eventually came back I don't remember the specifics that she said or anything but I think that there's something to that like your your word usage of of it being like a commune it's something that you know people don't really escape from or anything and it's so tied together to you know, St. Patrick's and, um, and the kind of the world of Crockett Island. It's just that, I don't know, that just blew my mind that there's no cars. <laughs> totally, dude. Yeah. I mean, once you let that sink in, it's a game changer because oh, yeah. it, it just changes a lot of things. You, everything is in little boats or on mm-hmm. foot. Yep. And so the proximity and the closeness um, and that identity of like, mm-hmm. this is the life I know and I'm going to run back from the mainland and from its terrors back to this safe in quotes mm-hmm. place you know and just live in quiet predictable peace yep yep just oh uh that I'm, I'm gonna have to rewatch it now um yeah, <laughs> yeah. do it oh, I yeah. uh I've I've rewatched a few isolated episodes just nice. to like feel it and observe and maybe answer some questions so yeah Mm -hmm. i highly recommend nice so we should dance around the spoilers here but how did you feel about the horror element of the show without going into what exactly it is what exactly happens and everything how did you feel about that kind of central mystery and that kind of for me it felt like it just a sense of unease but also we're in the hands of a brilliant filmmaker who is going to guide us to a satisfying conclusion, which he does just kind of completely naturally. Um, but in terms of the actual horror element, the the ick factor of it, and the the grisliness of some of the sequences, how did you how did you feel about the horror of Crocodile Island in Midnight Mass? 
I was a very uh, satisfied customer because <laughs> nice. so uh, I one thing that I also love about being a, a Flan Fam member. I hope <laughs> I could stay. I'm a member even though I haven't seen everything, but. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that in the majority, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, but in the mm-hmm. majority of Flanagan works, it's the slow burn factor, yes. which is what we get a lot in Gothic literature, which mm-hmm. I adore. I adore that. And it allows you to really sort of set your feet down firmly in the setting and then let the secrets of everything surround you. And then at the end, you find everything out and you just get annihilated by the yep. reveal. Um, and that's what gothic novels do and he's so great at channeling what like old school horror has always been which is um, not being able to trust the four walls around you and then everybody has so many freaking secrets like no <laughs> everyone is just these giant liars oh yeah um, it's great and uh, but the horror aspect of it because I am a sensitive Sally, mm-hmm. I would I would actually, and this is why it's so fascinating, I have a King podcast, because I would not consider myself <laughs> a horror fan, Matt. I'm a nice. Brady cat. <laughs> I am really freaked out by many things and massive anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I um I appreciate good art and good storytelling. And mm-hmm. I think that the way he handled this was so genius. Um kept yep. you guessing, kept you hooked in. Um, and then when it was exposed, you were definitely, it was flickers and moments and it didn't dwell on it. It wasn't like a gory torture porn thing. Right. It was like, all right, you saw it. Did you? Are you sure? Is that what you saw? Is that what you really <laughs> yep. saw? Because it was quick. And um, I was in it to win it. And I was like, this is very cool and very unsettling. But um, he doesn't linger. There's a lot of questions, and it, it's a winning combination. I absolutely agree. And like, um, on the on the Patreon stuff that I did, like, it was like every episode was like, wait, is it this kind of story, or is it right? this kind of story, or wait, no, it's this kind of story. Okay, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, you're just like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on because he yeah. he he kind of distracts you with mm-hmm. like these great monologues and these character relationships and yeah. so you're, you kind of forget that you're unraveling a mystery or that mm-hmm. you are gonna have to prepare to be scared soon down the line yeah. um or you know he it, it's just amazing he's it's, he juggles so many plates he's like a magician he's just tricking your eyes the oh, whole time absolutely. And, oh yeah and uh you're not paying attention to the thing that he's been toying with the whole time and it's yep. great oh yeah I like I have said ever since ever since seeing Dr. Sleep, I I, I have called Dr. Sleep a magic trick like that. Oh, it's yeah. nothing short of a magic trick. What he did with that movie. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. million percent. I agree. Yeah. Um. So the oh, I had something, but I, I think I just forgot it, but that's fine. Um, so <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. Again, welcome to the obsessive viewer. <laughs> um but yeah so that that whole element that that just oh oh that's where i was okay um so the monologues there it's like every episode has like one 
one or multiple just incredible, incredible monologues. And what I found interesting is like when I when I watch something or read something, I, I try not to read any like reviews or anything. I kind of want to keep kind of a clean kind of kind of viewpoint and then uh, document my feelings on it in like either podcast or written form. And then I just dive into like the reviews and stuff. But apparently there has been kind of a lot of criticism about the like long monologues in in the show. And I, for one, loved pretty much every single one of them. How did how did you find did you find them detracting or distracting or how did you feel about the kind of monologue heavy script in this show? So I love his writing. So I always want more of it. And the oh, monologues, yeah. I think, are kind of cool because we are our ge- our generation, especially. But like, uh, we're kind of uh, really trained by the society to be instant gratification oh, seeking yeah. always. Like, it's never fast enough. Like high yep. speed internet. Like we have all the things. It's never fast enough. <laughs> faster, faster. Right. Um, and so I love that Flanagan forces you um, to ruminate, to stay put and listen to these characters, to be in the moment, to stay present with what they're saying, because you're thinking a clue might be revealed or something. Um, and, but I, I love that that's how he kind of forces you to stay in this place with this, be in the moment with the characters, with this exchange, Um, However, this is also a double-edged sword because as the action starts to ramp up and the secrets start to uh, slip out, Mm -hmm. the the curiosity of the viewer is like overwhelming. We're like, oh my God, hurry up because (laughs) our hearts are literally racing. Like we are... Oh, we are hungry for knowledge. We're hungry to know. We want to know. We got to find out. Um, yep. We got to like <laughs> unlock it all. And so th- I think it's it's a different thing once the pacing starts to get going. So I can yeah. understand the criticism for that, but I love them. He is such a talented writer. He's a beautiful yeah. writer. And I love what he has done with taking um, biblical um allegory with biblical mm-hmm. with literal scripture what he's done with um parables and like in in interwoven them with these very traumatized people yes. um and their pain and I, oh my god there's so much to sing about the beautiful writing so uh oh, yeah. in a in a roundabout way i'm okay with them <laughs> nice yeah when when i heard that cuz i had a friend uh mention it on facebook cuz i posted about midnight mass and he was like oh i you know i liked it and everything but something about the monologues and i was just like you know the only one that I could see taking issue with is um, there's one late in the series by the sheriff who he is telling this just extended monologue about how he came to Crockett Island. And like, I, I adore that actor in that role. I think he did, did such a fantastic job. And I think that that particular that particular voice in the show is important because it is he's he's a muslim character so he is of a completely different faith and he is subject to um to um discrimination from from some of the other devout uh, uh members of of the church and everything and so he gives this just impassioned monologue and then 
I, I can understand that as much as I loved that. I'm also like, okay, well, things are happening. <laughs> things are going on and I, I can understand that. But I, that's like my one criticism of any of the monologues. And I like my, I have very short hair, but if I had long hair, it would have been blown back during that um, because it was so good. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into spoilers. Um, so, do it, do it. Yes. But first, before we get into spoilers, I do want to ask you a, I'm going to spring this question on you, even though I prepped you for it beforehand. <laughs> um, uh, with, with Mike Flanagan not doing revival as painful as that is to say, I, I'm still, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It really does. Damn um, it. Yep. <laughs> but what Stephen King property would you want to see Mike Flanagan tackle next? <gasps> Dear Matt. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, that is going to be hands down, bar none, Duma Key. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, we need him to do Duma Key. We need a gothic beach novel. Yep. We need to see Big Pink or Salmon Point. We need the flashback to the 1900s with the um, the family of Elizabeth Eastlake. We need it all. We need all the art, the drawings, the paintings. I yes. need Duma Key by Mike Flanagan. Go. Oh, man. I... I love that. And I'm I'm just thinking like I'm thinking of the casting. Like obviously Henry Thomas will be in it if he does it. So Oh my gosh, yes. I'm thinking he could, could be, he Edgar? be Edgar Fremantle. Yeah. He could. He could be Edgar. He could be Wireman. Wow. Yep. Um he I I we need Duma Key, Matt. We yep. need Duma Key. Yep. Yes. And I, I and I've I've told you this before, but I credit your episode on Duma Key with actually like helping me to kind of like find a road into it because like I that book never really clicked with me but like your passion for it and your kind of your analytical approach to it was like oh my god okay this just opened up everything for me so I would love to see that adapted by Flanagan hell yeah <laughs> oh thank you so much that is the best compliment of my oh. life you don't even know because I uh, I adore Duma Key and I will I am Oh, we I want to get it mainstream. And yes. so it is a passion project of mine. So if my enthusiasm can reach the masses, that is my mm. goal. So thank you so much. And I'm so nice. glad that you do a re that um you might do a reread because of of thoughts that I've extended because oh, yeah. so it's magic. <laughs> it's the best freaking book. It's so underrated. It is pure magic. Yep. Um and if we had that visualized by Flanagan's fire, Ooh. oh it would yeah. work. It would I, happen. That oh god, that yeah. That, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That would that would be so good. I'm and like Mike Flanagan is someone who I mean, he has the king, the keys to the kingdom, no pun intended or pun intended, probably. But um, <laughs> like he he has free reign to do whatever he wants in the king universe. So that's oh uh, yeah, that would that would be amazing. That would be very yeah. amazing. I think I'm just going to like make a tweet like tomorrow and say, <laughs> nice. dear at Flanagan film, mm -hmm. um, do my key. I can has do my key, please? <laughs> Question mark. Um, <laughs> nice. Nice. That's um, yeah. No, uh, that's my. Uh, answer times 10 to the 10th power. Nice. That's my answer. Matt. And I will 100% like that tweet. Um, 
so <laughs> count me in. I, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. Nice. Nice. All right. So shall we go into spoilers for Midnight Let Mass? Us. Yes. Let's. All right. So I'm going to play a brief clip from the trailer, and hopefully it's not too loud for us. But here we go. Okay. Yes. I walked across an empty land I knew the pathway like the back of my hand Welcome home, honey. Where you belong. Is this the place we used to love? Is this the place that I've been dreaming of? You struggled with what happened. With what I did. Yes. With what you did. But help is here. A simple thing. Where have you gone? Good morning. I know I'm not who you expected to see. Just know I'm only here to help, and I look forward to meeting you all. Okay, so that was a clip from the trailer for Midnight Mass. Um, you could hear it, right? <laughs> I could. Okay, it was awesome. so creepy. God, yes. That, that song choice is wild. It is um, so perfect. I love that band Keen. Yeah, and they're me so too. like they're so like sunny and bright yeah. and poppy. And then you're like, oh my God, no. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's all that's all different. And like, so I, I have this absurd theory, because I hadn't watched the trailer until I finished the show. And I think that it is just a perfectly constructed trailer. Um just uh, like absolutely perfect. Um and I so so there it's such a trend to have like a a a popular song of any era um adopted for a um uh for a trailer but then like mess around with it like it goes on to do like very creepy uh tones and everything but there's also this like concentrated like kind of drumming that's added to it and this is this is super deep in the weeds here and <laughs> everything, but <laughs> I have a theory that it's because Zach uh, Guilford is involved in the show because I got such a vibe of the band Explosions in the Sky who did the music for the movie Friday Night Lights and then the show, the theme music is done by Friday Night, by, by Explosions in the Sky and they did some of the score for the show. And I wonder, like, was that like a subtle, like, did they intentionally make, try to make it sound like Explosion in the, in the Sky to get people to associate it with Friday Night? I, I always call it Friday Night Lights. Um, but I don't know. That's my weird, like, fan theory but i love it dearly no matter what um so yeah i don't i don't know did you ever watch friday night lights i saw the film a long time oh, ago nice. and i have seen explosions in the sky live several oh times my god <laughs> i wow i am jealous oh <laughs> i they are amazing they um, are incredible yeah my favorite i i have all their albums yeah nice. i'm a big fan oh that's but, awesome um, yeah, that's a really cool observation. I think for the I think for me, my hypothesis is that 
um, Flanagan is such a lyrics person. He's such a words guy mm-hmm. that the lyrics to Keen's song, Somewhere Only We Know, like mm-hmm. that creeps me out when yes. you think about the show and yep. you think about those lyrics. So yep. for me, it's all about the lyrics to Keen's song that kind of get me. Absolutely. And the way that it just repeats the you're going to are you going to let me in uh, like over Ah! and over in the trailer? I'm like, that is just so great because it's vampires and vampires have to be invited in. Like, oh, my God, that's awesome. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Quick sidetrack, just because I want to know what's your favorite explosions in the sky track? Um, Um. So it would be, of course, I'm forgetting everything at this moment, but it's on the album, um, The Earth is Not a Cold, Dead Place, Mm -hmm. and which is my favorite. That's my Mm -hmm. favorite. Um, And I think this song is Your Hand in Mine. Yes. That's magic. Uh That's like out of body, that one. Absolutely. That that might be my favorite, too. It's so hard. I I also really like... um, First Breath After Coma. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. See, I need to have the track yeah. list in front of me. Yeah. I need to have the track list. Oh, I cheated. I, I, have, I pulled it up. <laughs> <laughs> I am having a senior moment. I'm just trying to. Um, but really, for me, that entire album is like one oh, big yeah. song to me. I just let it play. And I think the whole album like is soul awakening. So, yep. um, But yeah, oh, I yeah. love everything they do. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I haven't listened to a lot of their stuff admittedly but like that one album for sure 110 percent um also like whatever album that was i'm gonna cheat and go to it here um uh, those who tell the truth shall die those who tell the truth shall not read the full title uh shall live forever (laughs) oh yeah oh my god Uh, like this is taking me back um a poor man's memory is is one of my favorites also Yasmin the Light is great too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> um, I I adore that band. When I was a security guard working nights, um, I had like playlists and I would have like particularly like um movie and TV like scores that I would listen to on repeat, like when I'm like just like writing like reviews and stuff for the website and everything while I'm supposed to be securing a building. But, um, <laughs> uh, it like that. And like, I had so many of their songs on there. So anyway, yeah. Magic. Yes. So vampires though. <laughs> right. Let's, let's eat some brains. Yes. That, oh my that God. Sounds more, that sounds more zombie, but we <laughs> right. do, we do eat a bleeding brain. Yes. Oh yeah. my. And I mean, like that that brings me gr- like right into my first question most shocking moment um, of the entire show what what was it for you i mean huh. the well the one that made me uh scream real loud um mm-hmm. was when we have um uh, Monsignor John Pruitt and he's like mm-hmm. in a state in the rec center and he's like asking for the angel in quotes mm-hmm. and he appears and you just see this very tall silhouette yes. in the hat and he walks toward this uh, decanter and starts to mm-hmm. fill it with his blood. But the moment that made me scream, of course, is when Riley arrives. Yes. And it's that split oh. second where he flies at him. Yep. I, 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 
I screamed so loud, Matt. Like, <laughs> um, that was nuts for me. And that solidified yep. the terror of like, oh God, like this yep. is this be real. This is really happening. <laughs> um I loved it. At the same time, I hated it. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was one of the most shocking scare moments. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think for overall, like, ugh, that got me is um, when Sarah Dun- Sarah Gunning, Dr. Sarah Gunning's fate. Mm-hmm. I was yes. not expecting that. That, that one kind of broke me a little. Me, oh, my God. Me too. That, especially after, like, after she had that scene big with reveal, Pruitt. yeah. Yes. Oh, that like, was so touching. Oh my god. And oh, uh, I mean that is the height of Mike Flanagan. Like that, that is yep. that is the power of Mike Flanagan. Yep. Um oh my god, just so good. So good. So good but yep. so like oh, so rough yep. and sad yep. and Oh yeah. Oh, it was like full on Shakespeare. In mm-hmm. that moment, yep. I was like, "Oh, he knows what he's doing. He's bringing the pain. He's yep. bringing the pain." <laughs> Absolutely. And the way that the Riley scene unfolds, like um I so uh I I got slightly spoiled um by accident because when I was prepping to record my Patreon reviews, I was like, "Okay, I need to get the theme music." And then I was like, "Well, there's no theme music, so I need to look at music from the show. So I Googled or I looked up on YouTube, uh, midnight mass music or soundtrack or whatever. And then I saw a, (laughs) I'm so bitter about this, but it, it worked out fine. But I saw a video title that just said midnight mass end of episode five, Riley's death scene. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I just got that spoiled for me. (laughs) And it was one of those things where I was like, I was like, I just glimpsed it and I was like, oh God. And then like, I scrolled past it and I was like, okay, well, well, he's been having a lot of visions. Maybe it's not really his death scene. Maybe he's just having a vision or something. I don't know the context of it. Maybe it's something else entirely. And then I was like, did I even read that? And then I was like, well, I'm still thinking about it and I can't, I I need to stop thinking about it so I can forget it. But I also did read it. So I'm still remembering it. And yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a huge bummer. But the scene with him in the rec center where he gets attacked by the creature, that's at the end of episode four. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting that to happen so soon. Um, uh, Yeah. And then his actual death scene in episode five was just absolutely beautiful. Like Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it is It is so tragic. And it, it, it is just such an amazing end to his arc that he's, uh, it's, oh my God, it's amazing. He Loved and, it. Yeah. And I loved I loved his acting throughout the whole show. Um, he Zach was Gilford. great. Yeah. He was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was just true to himself yeah. the whole time, which is, you know, I'm I am a afflicted, guilty person, but I'm just gonna live life my way. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I'm gonna yep. not hide. I'm gonna just be authentically my true complicated self and it was magic so so perfect so perfect 
Um, so yeah, and then we got a lot of violent scenes also throughout it. Um, Gulp, yep. Yes, that scene, and we're jumping around, but that's, again, welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The, that, first let's talk about the vampire plot. Let's talk about, let's, yeah, let's talk about the vampire plot. Um, How did you feel about the way that the show concealed and then revealed the vampire plot of the story. Like, did you have any inclination of that or how did, how did you experience that? None whatsoever for a while, um, because I think we as viewers were going a hundred different directions. Um, But uh, when it finally started to reveal um, Monsignor's trip to to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and this this creature and then like the second it went for his neck i was like okay <laughs> um but what what was so oh my god what's so genius and brilliant to me and also frightening is the kind of scripture and the prayers that um john pruitt uh, monsignor john pruitt is like mm-hmm. he's in the confessional he's reciting these things and they're all about like blood and everlasting life and i'm like you know this is <laughs> shockingly um similar like mm-hmm. this is a ticket that would not be hard to sell <laughs> right. and it's just shocking to me because you know i know these verses and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that could be a vampire <laughs> you could absolutely digest that yes you could you could absolutely get on board with that and i was just horrified that he was able to take scripture and just line it right up with a freaking hell beast um, oh yeah with an undead bloodsucker and mm-hmm. it it works with scripture and you're like yep i get it i get it that is terrifying Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I found so fascinating about the show because and I, I think that Monsignor Pruitt is like is such it such a fascinatingly tragic and misguided but with good intentions character. And like the the whole like I believed that he believed that it was an angel and that he like it's it's it kind of seems like a hard sell to be like well you know um this this creature just like attacked me and then fed me its blood and now I'm young again it's an angel not a vampire <laughs> like it's it's really it's 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 really interesting the way that the show just demonstrates that from my from my perspective it's like okay he he discovered an angel and he brought it back to uh, to Crockett Island, and it's revealed in the end in the last episode where he's God, Hamish Linklater. Just oh my God, so good uh, when he's when he's talking to Sarah's mother, and he's like, uh, "I brought it back here because I because I didn't like I couldn't think of you dying, or I didn't want you to die." And the way that he just like his breath catches there is just. Oh. Yeah, it uh, all comes out. Yeah. All comes out. It's, he wasn't yeah. a priest in that moment. He was a man. And right. what's really interesting is I rewatched that episode and mm-hmm. notice um, when you do a rewatch, Matt, mm-hmm. after Sarah, after Mildred shoots him and he's like recovered, mm-hmm. he has now taken off the chasuble. So he's oh. taken it off and he's sitting on the steps in just the shirt and the pants. And he's like full on himself next to Mildred. That's um, so awesome. It's so I really feel my hypothesis is that when she shot him, mm-hmm. he regenerated, but 
it was more human than the other thing. Like right. it was more human than this vampire creature um, because nice. he came to himself. Mm-hmm. And I think a few characters did. Uh, so that's a whole other can of worms that I'd like <laughs> to discuss further oh, yeah. in terms of like, um, because one of the things Monsignor says is like, I feel total peace about drinking blood like i feel Mm -hmm. peace i feel i don't feel guilt at all and it's like well yeah because you you're no longer human those are human things you're not human anymore you're a creature um but i feel with this regeneration something happened where he came back to who he was a little bit so i'm very curious as to what flanagan was doing with that I love that. That is really that. Yeah, I I really like that. Um, I didn't really think about it that way. Um, totally. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna cook your brain a little, but yep. it's good. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of cooking brains, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that that's another thing that I really love about this show is the way that Flanagan kind of holds back some of the horror elements, but when he does exercise the horror, he is is pretty brief with it in certain respects. Like that single shot of 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 Pruitt just drinking the blood from the brain of of uh, uh, <sighs> Joe Colley. Um, like it's just a split second. It's a split yep. second, and it's like that is going to. I've I've seen that episode once. I saw that shot for like at at most one and a half seconds. And like that image is going to stick in my mind for a long time. <laughs> it's just definitely amazing. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah. yeah it oh. was, that was wild. And it was. Yep. Whew, yeah. And I loved that it was like a slow creeping um, towards it rather than like a ravenous vampire beast. Yeah. You know, the way that we're always used to seeing them in film and television, which is yep. like insatiable bloodlust hunger. Right. Um, no, this was very different. This was very like curious and with withdrawing, withdrawing and like restraint. And, and mm-hmm. yet he just succumbs and it's like a yep. creepy, creepy, creepy way. Yeah, absolutely. Loved and it. Uh, Yep. Oh, yeah. Also, I didn't think to ask how much time you have and everything, so I hope we're not <laughs> running too long. Um, um, but... It's it's a little bit midnight oil. I do have to okay. grade a little bit. I'm so okay. sorry. But oh, no, you're I fine. Would... Yeah. Yeah. We can kind of wind down a little bit. but Perf, yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk really briefly um, about Aaron and <gasps> yes. the magic of Kate Siegel, really. And <laughs> she's, she's tremendous. Yes. And that subplot, that plot line of her pregnancy. Uh. Oh, I like I, I screamed at my TV. I, I screamed at the beginning of uh, the fourth episode um, when it when it's gone. Um, <laughs> like yeah. that whole arc is just, oh, my God, uh, just heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking so how did you feel super hard (laughs) i was devastated like Mm. you um but also i really am i i get very 
I can't help but like feel my inner female for mm-hmm. lack of a better expression when a woman is made to believe she's crazy. Oh, and yeah. that broke me because that's like the worst thing a woman ever wants to hear or feel about themselves because mm-hmm. um, we are emotional creatures, hormones, all those things. Yeah. Um, but there's something about being called crazy or something not being in reality Mm-hmm. That is so sad and devastating to me as like a female viewer. And I just felt for her so hard because I, I just wanted to scream like it was real. You're mm-hmm. not insane. Like something happened and you you're not crazy. Um, yep. And I loved what Sarah says. She goes, oh, yeah, it's crazy. But don't worry about it being crazy. Yeah, Lots of people are crazy and they save the world. Um, yep. So I love, love, love that. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I was wrecked. I yeah. was wrecked by, oh, by what happened to Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. And to talk about the monologues and everything, that monologue that she gives oh, um, to Riley about what she thinks happens after death. And she, like, she prefaces it by saying like, well, it's not what happens to me after I die because I'm not the one who died today. This is what it, what the experience of of my baby was, and I was like, I was, I was, I was emotionally devastated through yeah. that entire monologue. That just was brutal. What she says about heaven, like mm-hmm. you're just not alone, yeah. and ah, yeah, devastating. Uh, just so beautiful and oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So we can wind down. I do want to talk about the big bloodbath um, <laughs> in the penultimate do episode. It. Do that. It. Like, I, I had already been just completely engaged by it, completely into it. And then when it gets to, like, the Jonestown of it all, like oh that. Oh, my God. I, it just, it, it is, again, a master storyteller. <laughs> um, just so, so bloody and horrifying and just, just so good. I, I loved it. It was bonkers insanity. My yeah. favorite is the singing, like prelude, when everyone's just singing and going into oh the church, God, and like yes. the the oh man, the I I'm I'm actually speechless when yep. I think about that scene because the I mean it's like these cheerful hymns, and yet mm-hmm. it's absolute lambs to the slaughter. Like yep. they have no idea, yep. they have no idea that they are absolute lambs to the slaughter. Yeah, and uh, oh. De- oh, it was so chilling and so beautifully filmed. And mm-hmm. there's nothing I don't love about it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, wow, wow, just incredible, incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. perfect climax of yep. insanity. You oh, went yeah. from zero to a hundred real dang quick. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So uh, everyone pretty much dies except for the kids. <laughs> yep. And yeah, uh, which can you imagine if they had lived and got on boats? Oh, I, I that was something I was just so amazed by because, like, going into the final episode, I was like, I don't know what the end game of this is. I don't know what, yep. like. I don't know how, I don't know what the rest of the story is after this big, big moment in the church. And then like in the opening of the, of the last episode, Aaron's like, well, they don't, they're going to try to get on a boat. And then that's the rest of the world. Like that's, we're, we're done. And I'm like, oh my God, the stakes have never been higher. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Right. It was like sweet relief when the town was burning. I was like, oh Oh, my God. Just, 
so so beautiful uh it just oh. the way it's all done is just so great um didn't you yeah. love their eyes matt oh, wasn't my- it a perfect touch so so creepy so insanely creepy um just and so oh. subtle yeah oh yeah oh yeah just oh when they're all, like when they're coming up to the church at the at kind of the end of the last episode and you just see the eyes up the oh that was that was just chilling that was chilling it definitely makes me want to watch doctor sleep again because i remember oh, yeah. if you the true knot kind of mm-hmm. had something similar. So yep. um, I think theirs were a little bit more white, mm-hmm. uh, like a like the, the color of the steam. Yep. But this was more like a golden um, iridescence, which yep. is so nuts to even phrase and conceptualize. Oh, yeah. But uh, I loved it so much. It's subtle and yep. so effective. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And so all of the characters are really interesting and well-defined. My kind of, this can be my final question for you. Um, <laughs> uh, who do you feel had the strongest character arc throughout the show? And like, what was the one that you were most invested in? If you could pick one. Oh, damn. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love this question so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it is without a doubt, uh, Monsignor John Pruitt. Yeah. Um, he has the hugest character arc given the fact that he was basically dying on uh, as an old man in the yeah. holy land this amazing terrifying thing happens to him and gives him decades of life back and what does he do he becomes all the things he wanted to be which is like super priest as well as the man that could have lured you know mildred gunning away from her life to start a new one with him because they had a child together there's obviously some deep love there perhaps Mm -hmm. we're we're led to believe that and it's evident that there is deep love there between them and so we see john pruitt show greed and that's what it was that's why he brought the angel to crockett island was greed he wanted Mm -hmm. a new life with the possibility of what this angel could bring, which is youth and and zest and time, uh, yep. eternal time where he could have a second life. And that's what greed is, which is why I love the character of Mildred, who tries to sit down and explain to him as she's like an a, a immortal vampire now and mm-hmm. trying to say, <laughs> like, don't you understand? This was how it was supposed to be. We made our choices. We grow. We fade away. And that's okay. And she was just so defiant in that moment, even though there is great love. She was trying to say like, and this is what's so interesting is John Pruitt is a man of God. And it's said throughout the scriptures, like if if man makes plans, that's how you make God laugh. Like yep. everything is predestined. There is no free will or there is, but like there's there's free will but destiny is like your life belongs to god your soul belongs to god ergo why would you try to rewrite the plan he has for you which is what john pruitt tried to do yep with the angel oh, and yeah. that blew my mind it just it just <laughs> like that absolutely blew my mind that in the end he was as human as human could be he was just a man who wanted a life with the mother of his child he wanted to be a father to her he wanted he just wanted with greed and that's okay and it was beautiful and it yep. was profound and it came full circle and the three of them on that bridge i was in tears oh, i perfect. was wrecked 
I was wrecked. So he is my favorite character. And my, oh my God, can I talk about my favorite scene really quick? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. My favorite scene. God, this was so masterfully written. I think this was in episode four when it's Riley and him in the rec center and it's just their little one-on-one meeting. Yes. And he, he's looking at Riley and he goes, you know who I am. You, we're past that now. We're past that. We're past that. And he keeps repeating it over and over again. Yep. And I was like, oh my God. Like <laughs> I am in this, I am in it the deepest I've ever been. Like yep. he was, he was just trying to show him like you have to get out of the boat. You have to walk the plank. You were past that. You know who I am. You've always known like huge faith stuff. Yep. Um, and it's just intense. And he's God, Hamish Linklater. I, where's his fan mail? Like, let's write a fan mail. Let's <laughs> right? start a club. I'm starting yes. a club, Matt. Let's do it. Oh yeah. Um, but th- that was, God, I freaking love that scene so much. So he is my favorite character. That was mm-hmm. super long winded. Bless your heart. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree completely. And I, I also love how kind of counter to his, uh, kind of, kind of counter to his arc through it. I, I really was fascinated by the kind of low grade evil or hatred of Bev Keen. Um, oh yes throughout it and like that the end of the show when like the the characters are all together and like they're like the vampires by the church are all together and they're waiting for sunlight to to you know pass on and then you see uh you see Pruitt and and uh what is her name um oh Sarah's mother Mildred, Mildred, Mildred Gunning. Mildred, yes. Uh, with Sarah's body. And then you see the sheriff and his son praying. And then oh. you have, yes. Uh, and then you have Bev Keen, who is alone. And it's like, it is so, it is, it's so fascinating to me because she is that, in any other show, she would be that caricature of evil, evil religious zealot uh, yeah. caricature. But here it is it is done so um so earnestly that like yeah. when when you see her there and she's waiting for like she's 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 about to she knows she's about to you know uh pass away for good and everything and then she has that moment where she frantically starts trying to dig to get out of it it's yes. like that is i thought that that was so profound to so that good. archetype of just like someone who uses their religious faith as a reason to kind of just be judgmental and, and outright evil toward people. Um, that's like the dark side of religion in the show. And I, I just thought that that was just so, so spot on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So well done. And she is, ugh, yeah, a yeah. lot of things to say about her, but she was oh, perfect. Yeah. For a yep. villain. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I do not want to take up too much more of your time. So. I wish I could stay 10,000 oh, yeah. more hours, but <laughs> I um, it's terrible when school's in session and you yeah. have to grade well, and you, you're like, you can't really live, uh, you can't be a real boy. <laughs> you, you, you have to, you have to um, read and grade and critique. Yeah. And so I'm so sorry to cut it short. Oh, um, no, thank you. No need for apologies. I am delighted that with the time that you've given me and it's always just such a, such a blast to, to get to chat with you. Um, oh. Yeah. 
Likewise. <laughs> oh, Likewise, dear sir. Yeah. It is so much fun. <laughs> well, great. And uh, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internets and your podcast? I will happily do so. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I am at the Year of Underrated Stephen King. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Twitter and Instagram, Underrated SK Pod. You can also write into the show at Underrated SK at Gmail. Um, but yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Pocket Casts, all of those. Uh, you can find us, the Year of Underrated Stephen King. Uh, looking forward to saying hi and chatting king with everybody nice and once again just and i'm fully endorsing that podcast it is spectacular and you are just really good at what you do <laughs> so oh, yeah big hug to you matt oh. thank you so much for being <laughs> so rad i i do what i can um <laughs> so <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining me on this tangent-filled um, discussion uh, of Midnight Mass. And I'm very much looking forward to chatting with you again at some point about something, anything. It'll it'll be a blast. Yes. Um, yeah. Agree. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And I don't know what we're doing next time. Oh, next week is Heartland uh, Potpourri with Ben. We're going to be doing a bunch of stuff about Heartland. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Doom. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks again, Kim. And, uh, yeah, uh, have, uh, have a good one. I never know how to end these. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Yeah. All right. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And so let me talk about podcaster representation. <laughs> I was just going to say, is this, <laughs> yeah. how does this find you? It's, I mean, it is, it is so entrenched in my soul. It, the only worst thing would be if there was a cat in there too. Um, the two pillars <laughs> of my personality, cats and podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's strange that they're, they're, that they're European, that they're British, uh, that they would care about this little story in Haddonfield, Illinois. Yeah. Of five people that died. All right, so look at the guy That's and look at his jaw is like ripped off. <sighs> or ripped Ooh. to the side. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just drooping and just uh-huh. ah. That is some great makeup. That's really great. Carpenter's <laughs> plan was that he is evil personified. Right. That's He's, just what the yeah. movie is trying to say. Yeah. He he is the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. But what it what it does take away I love that shot. Me too. What it does take away is that link oh, for Lori. Fuck, I forgot about that. That is so awesome. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it just explodes. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a I sh- I should have let that I should have reacted to that scene. Oh, already. no, you're good. I reacted enough for both of us. <laughs> a look. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. 
For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash ovarchive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Fekis and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda, at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!